Good morning, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls. Unless it's not the morning there. Good then, good afternoon, good evening, or good night. And welcome to the Abby Khan Show. I'm your host as always, Abby Khan. And today's episode is, as always, entertaining as hell. I'm talking with a good friend of mine. And I was really looking forward to this conversation because we conversed about very random topics, and I really wanted to get this guy on the show. The guy and my guest today is Mr. Lynn Fletcher, who proves to be one of the most intelligent people I've ever met and arguably the nicest human being on planet Earth. I have to say planet Earth because I haven't visited any other planets as of yet. Um, but, you know, space travel and things are happening as we speak. Virgin Galactic, as we speak, is actually launching their space program. So I'm very excited for that and see if Mr. Branson will put me aboard one of his flights. I will 100%, however, put my hand up and I will sign my girlfriend up against her will to colonize a new planet. So if she's listening to this because she's not in the room right now, then, yeah, I hope she's ready for that. But without further ado, welcome to today's podcast with Mr. Lane Fletcher. <laughs> What's up, ladies and gentlemen? So we are here with Mr. Lane Fletcher on his own little casting couch. <laughs> I got two of them. He's got two of them, which is great. So, Lane, thank you so much, first and foremost, for being on the podcast today. So, first and foremost, tell the audience, the listeners, the viewers, if you are watching on YouTube, a little bit about who you are, what you do, the 94 degrees that you've got in everything. Um, so hit me, like, who are you? Jeez, <laughs> um, they put me on the spot there. Uh, so I'm a trainer, I'm a coach, uh, I'm a soon-to-be psychologist, uh, I wear many hats. I've been a gym manager. I've been I've been a lot of things. Um, my first kind of foray into the fitness industry was as a PT, the way most people start. Uh, I was a, a, a professional rugby player, something I share in common with you, and uh, got a couple of injuries and didn't take my rehab very seriously, and then saw the effect that that had on performance and my. Uh, lack of ability to get back to where I was and I didn't want that to happen to anyone else so I went and became a trainer to try and help through that respect and then from there it just kind of snowballed uh, mm -hmm. into exercise science fitness qualifications uh, nutrition qualifications psychology qualifications and yeah I start my post-grad work in uh, in March of next year okay so obviously you took a quite a a big detour I guess I want to sort of say from the health and fitness space into psychology like most most trainers don't do that no they don't <laughs> no most trainers would be very much like okay i want to be a pt i want to be a coach i want to train in a commercial gym then i want to go run my own thing and they'll sort of build and build and build from there and obviously nowadays it's more pushed into that online mm -hmm. space totally so what made you take that transition to okay i want to be a psychologist yeah sure so a couple of things um i've always had a fascination with the human mind and how behavior can uh, be shaped from, I guess, uh, subconscious thought and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, I dealt with my own mental health issues and I kind of wanted to take a little bit of a deeper dive into what caused that. I knew if it could happen to me and, and others around me, you know, can I help that situation? And just to understand why those things were happening. Uh, and then I was kind of 
put onto to a really unique field of research and from there took a deep dive down into what can happen in psychology what what you can get out especially as an experimental psychologist or a researcher the contributions you can make to society and that kind of became my driving force as to why i wanted to get into it so when you said your your own sort of mental health issue not that i want to touch on that but do you feel that delving into that psychology realm you were able to figure out or to help or to overcome the issues some some actionable points yes Mm -hmm. definitely in some things it made it a little bit worse because when you you study you know uh, i guess abnormal behaviors you only have yourself to compare to right so you you can't really like like i live with my wife obviously i don't want to psychoanalyze my wife (laughs) that's not healthy (laughs) right and then you don't your friends don't open up in the same situation that you would in a in a therapist patient relationship understandably so you kind of end up analyzing yourself so for some of my mental health struggles it became better i understood the need for community and the need for meditation and the need for all of those kind of things but in other aspects it kind of gave me a real in-depth look at my own behaviors and did i manifest some of the more negative behaviors because i only had myself to analyze probably so Mm. didn't get a definitive answer either way but now that i'm past my mental health struggles i may have some in the future but now that i am beyond what was going on uh it's definitely i've removed that kind of aspect yeah so yeah well you're having a conversation with me so mental health struggles will likely happen by the end of this conversation you you look like physical health (laughs) (laughs) um so going into that that psychology realm again, how's that sort of impacted your behaviors? You said they're trying not to psychoanalyze your peers and family and friends in your inner circle. Do you find that you naturally do that now? A little bit, some behaviors, but only on behaviors that are uh, very loud and out there. Very proud behavior, very narcissistic behavior, very, very, very extreme displays of behavior. Mm. You can kind of pick that up. Um, but I, I do my best not to do that. I don't think it's going to be healthy for any relationship to, to think about someone's reasoning for doing things. And the expression of narcissism, for example, or a narcissistic uh, behavior doesn't necessarily a, mean the person is a narcissist, but can be driven from three or four different places. So not knowing a person in a therapeutic setting, I probably couldn't comment with any accuracy anyway. Mm. So I don't even bother. I try not to be one of those graduate students who thinks they know everything yeah i try <laughs> how does that affect clients and training with clients you feel that's been a benefit massively really really getting in depth on understanding okay well not just you've got a food disorder or a uh, mental health issue but you can sort of tap into okay well, why is this happening and what are the actionable steps absolutely um you can definitely learn to profile personalities a little bit better you can understand who's going to respond to a behavioral based goal who's going to respond to an empirical goal um who does have an unhealthy relationship with food who you may need to refer on you know to see a dietitian or, or someone else entirely um and you you can dig a little deeper as you yourself know you become exposed to your clients deepest darkest desires fears secrets clients tell you stuff that they haven't told anybody else so having a background as to why behaviors manifest and and that kind of stuff definitely helps in creating a better lifestyle program for a client. Yeah, for sure. 
because you're obviously in the online space. Mm-hmm. So Lane is also the founder owner of Milestone Strength. So do you want to tell people what Milestone Strength actually is? To yeah, so Milestone Strength is an online coaching business. Um, I work with my business partner, Nathan. Um, we sell some template-based programs and some custom programs and nutrition. Um, started about, I think I started six years ago. Nathan came on board three or four years ago. We're in about 80 countries now. Um, work with coming up on 10,000 clients, which is wow. amazing. Uh, and we really focus on education, driving that education. So, Okay, so again, going from the, the uh, psychoanalysis standpoint, how do you feel that is working with, I guess, because it's online? Right, gotcha. How is that? Um, it's difficult, very yeah. difficult. Uh, also because social media has kind of taught us the way we need to operate online is to highlight our victories and hide our losses. So people can interact with me as a coach in that respect. They can just be like, yeah, I killed it this week. And you'll be like, well, your, your measurements don't indicate that you killed it. Like what really happened? So people really want to highlight their wins and they really want to avoid their losses, which I get, I do understand that. Um, but it can be a little difficult to dig a little deeper, scratch under the surface and find out what's really going on. Uh, very difficult to profile someone's personality over the internet. Very difficult. But we designed a pretty in-depth initial survey, so we get fairly close off that. Um, but yeah, it, it is a flawed system. I wish we could clone ourselves or have yeah. everyone come and work with us one-on-one. Uh, but it does have its advantages for sure. Yeah, and I think just to, for, for the people listening, is if you do have a coach, it's really important to be upfront, be honest, be open, because as coaches, it's very difficult for us to help you, for us to get you to where you want to be if you just sugarcoat everything. Like, nah, things are going great, but I'm gaining fat. Yeah. And I want to lose fat. And you're like, well, if you told me the issue, I, I can actually help. Yes, exactly right. It's and then that's why you're making the investment. Of course, of course. It's, it's very bizarre. It's like going to a mechanic with a clunking car and saying, no, the car sounds fine. Yeah. It, do- it doesn't make a lot of sense. You do have a coach be honest tell us everything so obviously in, in education you guys are doing seminars and yep. uh, do you want to tell what people about what you've done currently yep um where we're going where yeah, yeah uh so we've had a few seminars some locally here just outside sydney uh the gold coast and most recently was new york um which was an amazing experience we we try and get across everything that we would do in writing a program Obviously, you know, the last decade of study can't be communicated in a two-day workshop, Mm -hmm. but we try our best to give the fundamentals and the basics of what would go on. Try to teach people how to calculate their own macros and calories-ish. Try and teach them what putting together a decent workout plan looks like for them. Trying to teach them about recovery. Trying to teach them the, not lack of importance, but the the structure, I guess, of the priorities for dieting success and understanding that your calories and your macros and your micros are going to make up the big chunk of you being healthy and looking good. Um, and the supplements and the food timing and what the food's made of kind of are the tip of the spear. All have their place, don't get me wrong, uh, but really trying to convey that message. And, you know, people, there's a lot of misinformation out there. People think that they can take a pill and it'll fix it or they can go keto and it'll fix it, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So definitely just trying to trying to get across that message of, what moderation can do for success. Hmm. When we when we talked briefly about 
trying to communicate with with clients online and even even face to face how does i guess how do behavioral patterns affect people's ability to succeed in achieving it, their health and fitness goals yeah massively behavioral patterns are everything um we uh, humans really suck at making decisions like we're really we are really shitty at making decisions and that's for a couple of reasons we have a confirmation bias so we're really good at finding the information we want um that's why the hormone thing was such a craze you know we 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 are always looking, our behavior is looking to confirm what we already believe. And that's that's built into us. So when the hormone thing came out, for those of you who don't know, it was, uh, fuck it, the hormones are doing it. It's not my, it's uh, it's not my fault. My hormones are shitty. And it's like, well, probably not, but maybe. So a confirmation bias that is naturally wired into all of our behaviors. Then other one's an expectation bias, which people don't think of as much. But if you expect something to happen, you'll look for the signs that it's going to happen. And... So people who believe that they are dieting and believe they have control over their diet succeed. And people who don't, even if they're on the same diet, won't succeed as much. And that seems pretty commonplace, but how many times do you have a client who you do put on a diet and they don't think they're set up for success, you know? So they're two major examples. Um, the third one, there's a pretty interesting piece of research that came out recently uh, about food addiction being having sim similar effects on the body as drug addiction, not in terms of physiological withdrawal, but in terms of uh, brain chemistry. And so people's desire to constantly eat hyper palatable foods, that may also be playing into the reason they can't lose weight or they can't succeed because they're constantly chasing a dopamine hit. Um, so behavior is everything. You, you, you do need to believe you're set up for success to follow that plan and you do in some respects need to try and be tougher than your desire or outlast your desire if there's a there's a really cool mindfulness technique that's used with people uh, who are suffering an anxiety attack or a panic attack and essentially it goes you know look for look for things you can touch look for things you can hear look for things you can feel look for words you can say really drawing them back into the body to then express their way out of what's going on mentally and it's similar, there's a similar tactic that should be used for people who have cravings, who want to go and oh, I need to eat a Big Mac. If you can take the time to work through that 30 to 60 second process, the desire for the Big Mac will probably disappear. So yeah, but behavior is everything when you're looking for success in, in fitness and health. How does it, how do you feel that sort of carries over to other areas of life, whether that's uh, business, career, relationship? It, it definitely has a carryover. Um, it's, and even speaking from personal experience, uh, academically, I don't really need motivation, right? I'm confident in doing the work. I want to do the work. But in you know my fitness life over the past 18 months, I, I had gotten really slack and I had let that go. And so by using the same strategies that I would use academically, I was able to get fitness back on track. The overarching principles, especially with behavior, are the same. You just need to apply them to different aspects of your life and ensure that you are doing your best to apply them to those aspects. But the carryover is huge. If you can learn how to learn a new skill, if you can learn how to follow a plan, like almost everyone that you train is a highly successful person, right? They go to work and they've got a job and they would definitely follow a plan at work. Then they go home and maybe they feel like they don't want to follow a plan, right? 
understanding that the short-term goal of doing the things they do at work to be successful, if they do that at home to be successful, they can live the rest of their life in moderation. So yeah, behavior is, is super important, especially when you're transitioning to other aspects of life. So when we look at, um, I guess, education, like we've spoken a lot about education with people and how people have sort of got, I guess, lost a little bit in trying to find a sort of one size fits all. At least we try and follow a, a one size fits all. And this goes back to, I guess, schooling. And um, I've, I've never been to university, but maybe it's sort of the same thing as in there's one answer. Like everyone's searching for this sort of one answer. So do you think human beings have sort of degenerated from a psychological standpoint over the last sort of 10, 20 years? Yeah, it's, that's a funny one because we're smarter than we've ever been in terms of general IQ and general intelligence. You know, the IQ, they have to keep updating IQ scores because the median gets higher and higher and higher, right? And so we also have access to the most information anyone has ever fucking had access mm -hmm. to ever in the history of ever. Everything is on the phone, right? Mm -hmm. So those two aspects are covered. However, we do see less scientific literacy, less creative problem solving, less abstract reasoning skills, these kind of things. So degenerated is a is a maybe too strong a word, but yes. <laughs> In a sense, yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely are less resilient. The advent of social media, you used to have to have not only an opinion, but you used to have a have to have a good opinion to get published. I mean shitty books have been published since the dawn of time, but you had to provide something meaningful to a publishing house to get published, right? Now we can jump on Facebook and write anything we want without scientific evidence and someone might eat it up and and facebook goes further than that and it tries to push content that causes disagreements because fights are better for likes than you and i having a general consensus that yes moderation is going to fix everything right so we're degenerating down that path everybody thinks that their opinion is far more valuable than it may be and i don't mind your opinion on what color that shirt is is that a nice color that's a, that's a very personal thing. However, your opinion on the insulin hypothesis of obesity follows the right answer or it doesn't. And so we need to educate people into where their opinion counts and where it doesn't count. Because my opinion doesn't count on so many things that I don't have an education in. So I shouldn't therefore offer it up like it's fact. Mm. So yeah, that's the path I think that we are degenerating down. Um, and it's, pr it's pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, especially in our industry, in, the, in the health yeah. and fitness space. Um, I mean, the prerequisite right now to being, I guess, quote unquote, educated or having the uh, the ability to give to teach people how to perform exercises, drop body fat, whatever, is having abs and mm. a good body or a good body. Mm, totally, which is fucking ridiculous. Yes. It's like measuring the size of a doctor's brain. Or yes. you wear glasses, you must be smart. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Which Absolutely. Is, I agree. Yeah, it's it's a very weird world we live in, mm. um, and I th it's probably the kind of visceral effect that that good-looking thing has on the human brain. You know, we are drawn to that, um, but it's certainly a concept that you and I and a lot of people we look up to would like to see kind of eradicated from the industry. Absolutely, absolutely. And what do you think? In touching on the the fitness industry. What do you think the biggest issues are with it at the moment, in your opinion, your experience, and your perspective? It's a hard one, um, but I think people giving out medical advice without training, um, that scares me a lot. Um, 
I'm quite close with a couple of dietitians, and I, I couldn't fathom if someone came to me with an actual medical issue trying to write a meal plan for them. I would always refer on. Like, that really scares me. You know, celery juice is going to detoxify your body. You've got some fucking celebrity drinking alkaline water with a slice of lemon, which immediately makes it not alkaline. Like, that's basic chemistry. Like, it's just, there's just insane things going on like that. And the other problem, I, I cop a really, really bad rap for being anti-supplement. And I'm, I'm absolutely not. I'm just pro-good supplements. I think supplements have their place. They absolutely do. There's no doubt about it. However, I'm anti-people selling things. You know, this is going to increase lean muscle mass more than steroids. And you're like, no, it isn't. And people will buy that and there's no regulation on it. So they're the two biggest, biggest issues that I see coming out of the industry. There is a lot more. Uh, but there's some really great coaches, especially in the exercise space, away from the nutrition space, in the exercise space who are putting out really quality content and educating people and helping the masses move forward. Yeah, I think you've got to look at uh, the people that, you know, pushing these supplements. Um, they're obviously, they're making profit from that. You know what I mean? That's how they're making a living. So they're going to obviously push it a little bit more. So look a little bit more into it. A big thing that I always say to people and to, to my own clients is question everything, mm. including what I say. Mm. Because if I can't explain it to you, I've got no fucking right trying to teach you what it is. And I think a lot of the time, especially looking to the, the social media world or fit, uh, fitness influence, not that all fitness influence are bad. No, at no, all. no, not at all. You know, some are fucking phenomenal, very, very smart people. But a lot of people give the very basics, mm. such as if you're looking at files, needs to be in a calorie deficit. That's it. Yeah. They don't go anything under that or any further because they don't know. Yes. You know, same thing with, here's how you build muscle. Being a surplus. Cool. Why? Mm. Tell me a bit more about it. Mm. How much of a surplus? Do I need to be in a 5%, 10%, 15% for surplus? Do I need to stay in a surplus for a certain amount of time? What happens if I stay in a surplus for a certain amount of time? What happens with my hormones when I'm in a massive calorie deficit? How do I rectify that? What biofeedback markers am I looking? They don't talk about this because they don't fucking know. No. And that's how you said the scary thing because they're like, just do this. Yeah. And you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to go do it. But the thing is that we're playing with people's health. Absolutely. And your health is your life. Absolutely. And we can fuck that up very, very, very quickly. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's not just physical health. It's mental health as well. It's the relationship that people develop with food, self-esteem, shame, joy, pride, all of these things. And it may sound vacuous or superficial, but... Oftentimes, people are in the gym to change the way their body looks. It's, it's one of the core shames of human beings. And to prey on that and to offer advice around that, people know they're going to get a bite. If you're being disingenuous with the information you're offering, that's a terrible, terrible thing. Mm. You know, like I, I can understand not being educated enough to, under, like, there's plenty of courses and plenty of trainers where I look at their content and I struggle to understand it. But the problem arises when people know better and still offer the wrong advice. Mm. That's that you can't blame people for what they don't know, but you can blame them for being intentionally wrong. Yeah. I'd love to be able to see people push certain things without having a, um, I guess an association with it in terms of a, a business or a profit standpoint, mm. you know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like recently he started a plant based or, mm. um, uh, food company and I love I love Alice Watson he's like one of my biggest fucking idols yeah, he's the man but the funny thing is it's like cool pushing it but you also have just started a company yeah 
Do you know what I mean? So not that that's right or wrong, like your beliefs are your beliefs, but it's just interesting to me how that always happens, do you know, in, in terms of, okay, I believe, and now I've changed my mindset and I've changed my thoughts and I believe this here, you should buy it because now I've started a yeah. company rather than going, you know what, here's what I believe, go for it. Like, you know, go find your own research, whatever it's all about. But here's the research to back it, but I'm not profiting off this at all. Yeah, it's, it's a very curious kind of, conundrum that you're faced with in that situation mm. there's there's some really great research uh coming out of the states all the time and people will often go at well who funded the study if it if it proves wrong their previous belief you know it's it's hard because you don't want to go down the route of well, everybody's wrong and this is right but yeah the arnie thing gets me he's also got that documentary out it's like arnie you didn't look that way just eating plants yeah. Be as vegan as you want to be. I, I don't care. Yeah. But don't say that you got that way because you're plant-based. Because you, you, Arnold, did not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've not. We've, you know, um, evolved over the last, like, two and a bit million years from eating meat. I think we're doing, I think we're doing all right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and look, the ethical standpoint on being vegan, go for it. Like, Absolutely. Ethically, <laughs> it's, it's there. It really is. The health benefits, so far the research hasn't really concluded it one way or the other. Eating pure meat doesn't seem like it's the way to go either. But as with everything, like I think the healthiest diet around is probably pescatarian, mm. mostly plant-based with occasional seafood proteins. Healthy, health-wise, mm. um, it's probably the healthiest. But yeah, there's definitely uh, a lot of different strains. And for most diets, it just seems that adherence is, is key. Yeah. If you can stick to it and be consistent, then absolutely, absolutely. When we sort of look at, I guess, uh, people's like own philosophies and, and their belief system and stuff, uh, we we spoke stuck about things like stoicism and, and and that old school, not even old school mentality. I guess the original thinkers, yeah. Marcus Aurelius and uh, Epictetus and people's like that. Do you think those those philosophies such as stoicism? still have relevance in today's society and you feel like first do you feel they've got relevance absolutely yes 100 percent. there's something to be said for developing resilience oh that's my phone honestly i know far out in my own damn house uh there's something to be said for developing resilience um and stoicism allows you to develop toughness and accept what life throws at you because the apocalypse is always coming Something bad is always around the corner. Life is struggle. It's it is. Um, we, however, we 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 express our own reality, right? You know what the the thought of the thing makes the thing the thing, and so by understanding that, especially through stoicism, we can kind of be. Oh my gosh! It's all right. Take it. Let the fucking viewers see who you're talking to. No, I'm trying to. T I don't even know how to turn my phone on silent. I'm just gonna turn it off. Print new phone everyone I don't even know how to turn it off there put in a bucket of water fire out um, so yes stoicism I also am yeah yeah stoicism definitely has some relevance in, in everyday life 100% and do you th how do you think I guess society would change if more people practice such teachings as stoicism and, and other other teachings as well but we're talking about stoicism specifically yeah for because, sure. because we know a little bit about it yeah, I, I think society would improve for the better um, immensely. I think we would have tougher people. And I think toughness is a good thing. 
Yeah. I think resilience in, in children is, is very important. Um, I'm going to beat my kid. Mm, yeah, maybe. Oh, <laughs> Make it the toughest little shit. So, That's not what I meant. So, so oh. Disclaimer, that wasn't that. I'm wasn't sorry, my misinterpretation. I genuinely thought just beat the kid. <laughs> little shit. No, d- developing resilience <clears throat> in a sense of, I mean, Jocko, you know Jocko Willink? Love, yeah, yeah love so Jocko Willink. Jocko's, Never Seals, Commander. Jocko's the man. Jocko has a missed career as a, as a psychologist, in my opinion, although his actual career is way fucking better. Yeah. But Jocko's thing is, Jocko loves it when something goes wrong. Hmm. Something goes wrong, good, I can fix it. Good, I can get better. Good, I've learned from that. And I think that is a modern expression of stoicism. And I, I would love, I, I hope I can convey that message to my children. My parents certainly conveyed it to me. Is that when something goes wrong, good. You can learn from it. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off. Yeah, it's shitty for like a day or two days, or a week, or a month, but if provided you can make that shitty thing good again and you can learn from that experience, then you will get better as a human being and you'll be able to provide more to society as a whole. No, I completely agree. Completely agree with that. So that's, I guess, past sort of philosophies. If we look down the track 10, 20, 30, 40 years into the future, we're looking at things like AI, mm. artificial intelligence. You're asking me this because you know how much it scares me? Yeah, a little bit. I, had a, I didn't, we, we, we haven't really talked about it too much, but I, I had a, uh, I had a feeling just from past conversations of like, <laughs> ooh, I wonder what he thinks about, about this. Oh. So is like Cybernet coming? <laughs> or what, are, what are your thoughts I'm, on I'm it? in no way qualified enough to speak about this. I've, <laughs> there's some very very smart people well you've seen the Terminator so you obviously know <laughs> like we know what's happening uh, AI scares, scares the living daylights out of me from a sense of if we could generate artificial general intelligence so artificial general intelligence is when you can think of something that will pass the Turing test it will have a personality of its own that's like us in- indistinguishable from human if something was created especially a manufacturing uh artificial general intelligence so something whose job it is to even if it's to make cars right we have this machine it makes cars its job is to make cars as as many cars as fast as possible cool i turn it off every night when i go home after work because i gotta go get my eight hours sleep in order to make as many cars as quick as possible that machine wants me gone because i turn it off for eight hours a day so if it can generate some artificial general intelligence it, it wants me gone it's gonna wipe me out so from that aspect, Ooh, that scares yeah. me a little bit. However, listening to some very, very intelligent people in the field, they seem to think we're a long way away from artificial general intelligence. Artificial intelligence in and of itself, it makes life a bit better. Our phones have a lot of AI mapping systems, those kind of, those kind of intelligences. You know, Google Maps can tell you three or four ways to get somewhere when there's traffic. That kind of stuff is cool, but... And, I, and I'm hoping that our focus with AI is on computational power. I hope it stays away from weaponry. I hope it stays away from too much manufacturing in the sense of artificial general intelligence, like I just mentioned. Um, so yeah, artificial general intelligence scares the shit out of me. It honestly keeps me up at night. I know that's so lame, but I listen to too much Sam Harris and he scares the living daylights out of me. So it's going to be interesting. I think, I think artificial intelligence will write a program better than I ever could. It will mm. write a diet better than I ever could, but I don't know that it will have the ability to physically coach another person better than a human would. Yeah. Mm. Could, w- would you, I guess, consider the fact that it could be 
progressive for the human race like it could be a really fucking good thing as could well. be totally it could be i don't think artificial general intelligence could be you think that's just gonna go i, I just don't understand how something i mean we, we just have to ensure that that thing is benevolent and and wants humans around hmm. you know we've had some really shitty human beings over the course of history their personalities developed, you know, at random, so to speak. If we had an artificial general intelligence, that could... Oh, you dickhead. Sorry. Hasn't been, hasn't been recording, has it? No, it hasn't. Oh, it usually, does, it usually makes a noise. I don't even know how long it's been not off for. That's okay, because we got the podcast info anyway. So what happened last time with the other one. Like, it just goes off. It doesn't make a noise or anything like that. The last time I heard it, I didn't obviously hear this. I was too involved in your your conversation, but... Oh, well. If you are watching the YouTube... Hello again. If you are watching on YouTube, make sure you go check out the podcast to hear all of Lane's talk on AI. We may have missed it all, but the podcast is running. The podcast continues. Yeah, it's stupid. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, artificial general intelligence. The you future... Do- yeah, it could, could be great. I just don't think artificial general intelligence wants us around. We suck. Mm. We sleep. Yeah. We have desire. Mm. We like relationships. We want time off. It just depends on what artificial general intelligence looks like. Artificial intelligence in and of itself and kind of cyber implants and stuff, I think that could be great, especially for injury and health and those kind of things. Um, so it definitely could be good. It's also going to depend a lot on the intentions of the person developing it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. If you've got good intentions, if you've got somebody with a real, you know, humble, honest, moralistic tendency to create something better for the human race, then yeah. it's probably going to be great. But exactly right. If you get some dickhead and doing there are it. a lot of dickheads. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, so, you're obviously a very intelligent guy. Thank you. You're welcome. That's <laughs> only because I'm really dumb. So. I, don't, I don't think that's the case at all. I'd say Mickey Mouse is intelligent guy as well. <laughs> but anyway, I love Mickey. I love Mickey Mouse. So, um, but when we look at sort of what I love talking about a lot, of, a lot of times is optimizing mental state, physical states, things like that. So, what does the sort of first hour of your day look like? Which I'm interested in. I mean, not that I'm because I can't obviously come creaking through the window because Molly wouldn't be happy. Well, oh, she might, okay. You know, you, you well, never, she's not you here never right know. Now. She's not here right now. Um, the first hour of my day is surprisingly uneventful, man. I um, I really focus on sleep, and mm-hmm. I like my sleep. I well, get, we're going to get into that. After I get up, I have breakfast, I have a coffee, and I go to work. I'm honestly up and out the door within 20 minutes. Really? Yeah, and then I'm at work. Always a podcast in the car. Um, but that. What are you? What are you currently eating for breakfast? What's the breakfast of, of champions? Of one ch- scoop of SciTech Professional Way sponsored post. Shout out to SciTech boys. <laughs> Uh, one tub of Chobani Fit Pro yogurt. Ooh, one, like the little baby little, yeah. little ones. One banana. That's my breakfast. Yeah, yeah, uh, every day. That's it. Every single day, I do the same thing every day. Enjoy it. Love it. It's tasty. Is it easy? Oh, is it convenient? It's convenient, and I don't have to think. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Decision fatigue ruins my life. I I, I hate deciding anything. Do you wear the same undies every day? Is that? No, I, but I have the undies that have the day on them. Me too. Yeah. I've got mine on as well. Yeah, you also need a belt. Yeah, no, I need about it. Yeah. So yeah, the first hour of my day is not that exciting. Okay. It's pretty chill. And podcast wise, you just said what are you currently listening to? Oh, I just finished 
Uh, I, l- I listen to a lot of Sam Harris, a lot of Jordan Peterson. I listen to some Joe Rogan if I find it interesting. Uh, I listen to Hyper Performance. I listen to Luke Tulloch. Oh, I listen to uh, Tangentially Speaking with Dr. Chris Ryan. I think that's all I listen to. That's like pretty much that mix. Yeah. And then if I find something like... A random episode. Yeah, I, the guy I'm working with quite close at the moment, Kyle, he's on a bunch of random podcasts, so I'm just taking a deep dive into Kyle's stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. What about the last hour of your day? Is that more eventful? Yeah, that's a little more eventful. The okay. last hour of my day is uh, always reading. Always, always reading. And what are you currently reading? Uh, I have three books on the run at the moment. Uh, one of them is My Guilty Pleasure. It's a shitty spy novel. Love shitty spy novels. I thought you were going to say some sort of like erotica or yeah, something. It's there. my uh, cowboy uh, erotica fiction. <laughs> my broke back midnight. No, it's my... Uh, so my shitty, shitty spy novel. It's, it's fucking great. Uh, I'm reading The Happiness Hypothesis by Jonathan Haidt. And I'm reading uh, The Psychedelics Encyclopedia. Oh, so is that you just sort of flick through and read? It's like a textbook. Yeah, um, yeah. Kind of broken up into sections of each psychedelic. And okay. uh, there's the chemistry of that, uh, which is the main reason I'm reading it. I, my chemistry is a little shaky, so I'm really trying to up my my knowledge there. Um, there's expected effects, medical effects, and uh, clinical benefits. It's, it's, a, it's a psychology-based book. It's not just like, let's just take shrooms and trip. Uh-huh. It's like what, why, what are the feelings that happen during this kind of assisted psychotherapy, etc., etc., etc. What, what, what psychedelics are good for treating addiction? Those kind of things. Uh, so you read every night, and then I meditate um, using either Headspace or Sam Harris's app. Waking up, mm-hmm. um, then talk to my wife before I go to sleep. Think about what I've been grateful for in the day. Uh, and think about what I've got on the next day and make sure that that's written down. Yeah, like journal gra- gratitude journal? Sometimes I write it. Sometimes I just go through a bit of a mental checklist. Yep. Um, and make sure the next day is thought out. And then if I have any concerns over the next day, I definitely write those down because mm-hmm. uh, I find that's just getting it out of your head. Yep. And then I'm out like a light. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Any like pre-bed supplementation or anything like that i have used melatonin in the past Mm -hmm. um especially when i had mental health issues or i was highly stressed Mm -hmm. um melatonin will knock you out it's wonderful Mm -hmm. Uh, i found i was a bit groggy waking up from it i think i was screwing around with my cycle a little bit too much Uh, my dosage was probably a little too high okay Um, so yeah melatonin if i'm struggling to sleep outside of that i just mitigate caffeine early Okay. Is there a particular gram? Caffeine? Yeah. Two milligrams per kilo of body weight. Two milligrams per kilo. Yeah. And if you can cut it out about eight hours before you go to sleep, because it's about an eight hour half life. Okay. Yeah. All right. So when we look at, I guess, learning, optimizing mental state, obviously you've got a good array of books there. Um, Not for the, I guess, the faint of mind, (laughs) um, I want to say, but how do you optimize your mental state? For learning. For learning? For learning. Yeah, learning's um, a, a pretty fascinating one. Uh, I don't do all of these, but you probably should try and do all of these. There, there are supplements you can take. Um, supplements of the Racetam family and uh, alpha-GPC and things that get choline flowing into the brain are, are quite good for 
for focus. Um, for learning, you truly have to approach everything with a beginner's mind. Uh, a lot of times people will go in to read a book and they might know one of five things presented and they'll read the one thing they know and they'll be like, yeah, I know this. Relearn that. Repetition is, is really good. Uh, and I also prepare myself by understanding that I've got about a 45-minute window of study. I've got about 45 minutes to learn the one page or the whole chapter, however quick I get through that work. And then I need to get up, go for a walk, come back, repeat it. It's, mm. it's about being as relaxed as possible and not taking in too much information. And coffee. And loads of fucking coffee. Yes, caffeine is, is very good for you. Um, so when you're sort of studying, is there a particular environment you like to be in? Is it complete silence? Is it music? Is it certain type of music? Yeah, is I prefer it... music, classical or um, like trance kind of stuff. Okay. Um, anything that can kind of take the thought pattern away and make me as removed from the process as possible. I tend to enter a, a, a flow state, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. more frequently with that kind of music, without lyrics, basically. Right, yeah, yeah. So I guess minimizing the focus there, it's just sort of almost white noise. Yeah, exactly thing. right. There's a, uh, what, what's that app called? There's an app called Noisly. Um, that's a Chrome extension on your computer that will play random generated sounds like a loud cafe or rain on a roof or a thunderstorm or waves rolling in. And I've used that quite a bit as well. It works? Uh, I like it a lot. Yeah, it yeah. just kind of takes you to a different state of consciousness. I like it. Yeah. I dig it. So when we touched on there was the supplementation like the Aracetam family after GPC choline-based supplements. Mm. Is there anything else in that, in the sort of, I guess you'd assume, I'd assume you'd take those in the morning at AM. I take those when I'm about to study. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I, but I, I offer it a little differently. So I, and I have a friend who got me onto these things. He takes one in the morning, one at midday, every okay. single day. He's a pretty successful guy. He yeah. has a very intense job. Um, so I don't approach it the same way as he does okay. because I learn in smaller blocks. Okay. Probably no other supplements. Uh, Lion's Mane Mushroom. Uh, it's neuroprotective. Mm -hmm. um, it has some really cool results in rodents mm -hmm. um, whether that's going to convert into humans who knows but yeah there, there are a few a few mushrooms that can help with that kind of stuff okay alright so that's how we optimise mental state how do you optimise your physical state for performance in the gym because obviously being an athlete a power lifter as well how do you optimise physical performance yeah I've, I've found that the nutrition of the preceding day has the biggest effect for me okay yeah I have to try and really hit my macros, get my carbs in, that kind of stuff. Um, so like, I guess a carb backloading protocol, carbs at night, and helps yeah, sleep not, performing? No, not, not as much, just around my training. Okay. But it's just if I haven't had it dialed the day before, I usually suck the next day. Okay. Whether that's mental or physical, who knows, but that's the result that happens. Okay. I also like to overwarm up. I know some people don't, uh, but I like to feel like I've got a pump before I get involved in the exercise. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of breath work, a lot of static holds, a lot of isometrics, that kind of stuff. I feel like that prepares me to then attack the workout or the game or whatever I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you have any, I guess, routines around that? Like you do, here's what I do. I, you know, I have my pre-workout ca uh, coffee or whatever it might be. I go take a pre-game dump. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to this music or it's like looking have... in a mirror. Um, <laughs> no, not, not really. Depends on the body part that I'm working out. But usually I, I, I try and use that warm up time as a bit of play time um, 
to keep myself engaged and find new movements and that kind of stuff. Okay. Definitely have a coffee beforehand. Don't always take a pregame break. Sometimes. Sometimes okay. I don't. Definitely not in there. As long as you just can't help and it. And mu- music, I like to listen to the same thing. I like I have rap. a very specific, it's always like rap, heavy punk, and some metal music. And it's the same playlist and I listen to it again and again. And it takes a lot for a song to get on there. Right. It's a little bit because I like to be fired up, but I also kind of want to enter that meditative the state. Flow state. Yeah. yeah. Not that not that working out and lifting weights is the hardest thing in the world that you need to enter a flow state for. Mm-hmm. I just find it extremely cathartic if I can treat like if you can get through a ninety minute session without having too much of a thought, if you've planned your intention right before you enter that session, it is a very, very amazing experience. Mm. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think a lot of the times people do get jacked up off too much caffeine too much pre-workout and they want to go into the session and you know just go fucking hard as a motherfucker just go and lift as much weight uh, uh, ego lift as much as possible whereas that it does have its, have its benefits occasionally but I think going into it more of a relaxed state and a focused state mm. I'm like here's exactly what I'm going to do yes this weight is still going to be ridiculously heavy but here's how I'm going to contract this muscle and this muscle and how I'm actually going to feel during each particular lift absolutely you know? i think you've touched on it there and it's an important lesson for life and performance it's intention mm. what do you intend to do and really visualizing that there's, a, there's amazing amazing research done on people who uh they're trying to teach people a new skill right so say for you it was juggling and just by visualizing and having the intent of juggling not actually physically practicing but visualizing how you were going to juggle having the intention of learning how to juggle your juggling skill improved because of just that before you even touched the balls or the pins or whatever you were going to juggle with. So I think that lends itself to a really interesting phenomena that if we do have intention about what we want to do, whether it's gym, sports, relationship, writing, whatever, we are far more likely to be successful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. 100%. I think in between... Sets, I know for me, it's not just about, you know, just chilling out and scrolling through Instagram or whatever it might, whatever it might be. It's like, okay, cool. What am I going to do next? Mm. Like almost visualizing the lift. Absolutely. Here's exactly what it's going to do. The bar's going to go off. Um, I know my sticking point. I'm going to drive through it. Here's exactly, I'm going to spread the floor if I'm doing, you know, squat or dead or something like that. I'm going to engage uh, my scapula, retract and depress it. Here's everything that I'm going to do. And go and then do it. And it works. Mm. I mean, pretty much every fucking time. Do you think that comes uh, that that ease comes from being a high level athlete like you were for so long, and you, you had to do that with those skills? Do you find it easily transferable? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think because I was I'm not naturally talented, right? Even, even I got to a high level, but I wasn't ever a naturally talented athlete. Um, it came from just a lot of fucking work, like a lot of work, because I knew it, for me myself, like, okay. I'm never going to be the biggest, fastest, strongest or anything like that. But I I do have passion. I do have courage. I do have determination and discipline. But what else can I do? What are the little one percenters that people are missing? Mm. And you can quite easily tell. Mm. Once you're in the gym and you're watching, especially with the talented athletes, you can tell what they're doing and what they're not doing. Yeah, Getting lazy and things like that. Okay, I can do all these other little things that you're not doing. I'm going to be better than you. Mm. And it just fucking works. Cool. That's great. You know, and then obviously over the years and stuff, you just keep that and just yeah. Well, you've learned that skill. That skill is now transferable. Exactly right. So yeah, yeah, exactly right. So we spoke to talk about uh, performance. What about 
recovery, how good a recovery is super, super important. And it's something that's massively overlooked in my opinion. Mm. Um, how do you optimize your specifically your mental state for recovery? Yeah, so I think meditation is, I mean, I think meditation is amazing mm. in general, but I think meditation for recovery is super important, teaching yourself to be relaxed. Pay attention to your breath, understanding that relaxation outside of the, the gym is what's going to get you places. Um, and in the, it's, it's related to training kind of, but you have to get your mindset, you have to understand that less is more sometimes. You are going to go in and kill yourself for 90 minutes in the gym. You are going to smash yourself, but understanding that to get leaner, you don't necessarily need to do more work. You don't need to be going back in. You need to go back in when you feel like you're ready. And if you train a lot, yeah, that'll be five or six times a week, but don't, you know, don't look down on yourself when it can only be three times a week. Mm. Yeah. And what about recovery for performance physicality yep so sleep and nutrition are mm -hmm. key right you've got to get those Either right. timings or anything like that specific nutrition fats carbs anything like that eh, probably carbohydrates for more explosive atp based stuff probably mm -hmm. fats for longer distance endurance stuff but again personal preference is going to reign supreme here and depends on the uh supplementation the special supplements that you're using mm -hmm. if, if you're using those yeah, yeah that definitely plays a role um, after that, it's probably going to be your active recovery. Um, understanding that sometimes moving is going to help the recovery process. Uh, from there you can throw in all the little extras, compression garments, compassionate touch. So like massage or being with a loved one or anything like that, hot and cold therapies. And a big one that often gets overlooked is trying to find an hour or so a day or even half an hour to just do something that you want to do. Mm. I know that gets really hard with parents. Mm. Um, but finding something that you like to do will also manifest itself into your recovery tenfold. Like some people smoke weed and love it and think it helps them recover. Some people smoke weed and wig out, right? It's the same substance. It's the same thing having the same physiological effect on you. However, if you enjoy that sensation, it's probably going to contribute to your recovery. If you don't enjoy it, it's not going to contribute to your recovery because it's going to stress you out. Yeah. So it's like, I guess personal preference is, is going to be that. 100%. But it's about trialing enough things out for long enough as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah. a lot of people I've found that they'll try something once it doesn't work and they'll fuck it up. I'm just like, dude, try it once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Try learning to drive a car once. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I, happen. We, I don't understand why we do things. So many things. Because we're lazy or we just want, we want it now. We want it now. We're the instant gratification generation, yeah. man. Like we get a dopamine hit every time we fucking scroll through Instagram. And I do it. I'm not preaching. But like, if we could hold off on things for 10, 12, 15 weeks, we would be so much further ahead. Yeah. I get the same thing out of like donuts. I love donuts. It's like, boom, hit that donut instant gratification. Give me fucking 10 more. Mm. Let's make it happen. Yeah. We're going to talk about donuts after this conversation. Anyway. Right. Um, training. Yeah. What's your current, what are your current training? Is, oh, what's your current training like? My moment? current training is weird. It's stuff that I enjoy. Perfect. Love it. That's it. That's what it should be. Yeah. I don't have a... My goal at the moment is to get to the gym six times a week. That's my goal. It's building up my fitness, how I look, how I, my strength and how I perform. And it's, mm -hmm. not a, it's not a program that you should write for anyone who has measurable empirical goals. But I used to love training. Uh, and then I went through some stuff and I fucking hated it. 
I hated being at the gym. I also worked at the gym. I just, I fucking hated it. Mm. And so for me at the moment, my training is doing stuff I like. It's challenging myself with breathing drills and heavy lifting and some hypertrophy work. And it's doing stuff I want to get up and go to the gym for. Any weird how uh, the more, I guess, advanced or intelligent and experienced you get, the weirder the shit is. Yeah. I've done some weird, odd shit. But it's worked. Like, it's been great. And I'm just like, I never, ever prescribed that to anybody, ever. <laughs> but it's just, I just did it anyway because I was like, all right, I'm going to do this now. I think you lose the fun of it. Mm. And, and I think bringing back some novelty. Um, there's people in the industry, I mean, like Dr. Mike. I love Dr. Mike from RPM Strength. He's the man. And, but the dude's a fucking robot. And he'll tell you that. Like, he can just go and do the same shit every single day. Mm. And it doesn't appear that he struggles with it. But sometimes I feel like the novelty is what people with my kind of personality type and you need to stay invested and involved. Mm. So I, I think if you enjoy doing the thing, you're going to get great results because you're moving. Do something that's fun. Yeah. yeah. I think once you've gone on <coughs> as, I guess, as many seminars and courses and workshops and stuff that we've gone on, like you've done so much and you've tried fucking every methodology out there. But after a while, you're just like, fuck, I've done that before. Mm. before." You get a bit of paralysis by analysis too. like Yeah, you're almost like not not too intelligent for it, but you're like, but there's a better way. There's a better way. But that's not the perfect program. You know, like I've got too much much volume in my readouts. Like that's not going to work. Yeah. Fuck, chill. And and so much, I saw a great quote about it today, but like so much of the research that's done in in our industry at the moment is designed to get people working less. Yeah, well, Sometimes you just need to be a fucking savage and go to the gym and move shit. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's what you need as your release and mm. for your mental health and for your performance, you know. You can write the perfect program, but if it's not getting done, it's not worth the paper it's written on. True. So, yeah. Yeah. Is there any um, particular methodologies that you've done over the years that you love? Like, what's your favorite training methodology? If you say GVT, I'm leaving right now. I'll walk the fuck out of my own podcast. Never to be spoken And you to can again. take over. Uh, my favorite shit. Or one that you've done, you're like, uh, at a workshop or with, with a particular oh, person, you're like, that was fucking epic. Chad, every time I talk to Chad Wesley Smith from Juggernaut Training, my brain just fucking expands. Like, he's so smart and he's so considered in his words around training. So I like his kind of training methods, which is just heavy lifting at the front and accessory work. It's phasic training. It's phasic dieting. It's simple. Simple. It's not super sexy, but it really, really works. I also really enjoyed John Wellborn's. Uh, the old, no, no, it was the old CrossFit football days. I can't mm. remember what he's called now. Uh, anyway, John Wellborn. Google him. Power athlete. Power athlete HQ. And he's got some stuff that's just really fun. Yeah. It's fun shit. There's jumping. There's heavy deadlifts. There's heavy squats. Heavy bench. Bulgarian split squats, lots of plyo work. Like I really feel like an athlete when I do his training. Yeah. It's probably not developing me as much as it should. Mm. I'm probably showing off a little bit in the gym instead of using the gym to show off on the field, but it's it's fun. Yeah, I think what you touched on there was actually really, really, really cool was it's simple. And I think the best coaches, the most, the actually the, the most successful coaches in the world, program's very, very simple. And I know working with, uh, with Polyprene for a little bit was, Everything that you, that you did on paper, you looked at it and you 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 were looking for more, mm. and then he was just he asked us, "Well, why do you need more?" 
you know? But I think a lot of the times as, as coaches, and I guess this goes back to people got no fucking idea what we're doing basically, is they've created these crazy complex program methodologies. Stuff and you're like, most of your clientele is general pop. Like, yeah. they don't need to be doing that shit. No. Do you know? They don't give a fuck about doing that sort no. of stuff. And you trying to convince them that they do, again, is moralistically wrong in my opinion. But it's going back to the simplicity because that's yeah. what the efficiency is. That's what the effectiveness is. Absolutely, man. I remember the first powerlifting coach I ever worked with was Luke Shakespeare. He's a guy based, I think he's based in Adelaide now. But he, he's amazing. He has some super, super successful clients. Mm. And he gave me a program and I was like, Luke, there's like four exercises. And he's like, yeah, just do them. And I got so strong so fast. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is the doing some simple things really, really well can get you much further than doing a bunch of stuff and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Who's your, probably on two, two fronts, is who's your biggest inspiration in the health and fitness industry? Mm-hmm. And what did you, what did you learn from them? And if you want to say me, Abby, you can. It was not Abby. that I would say no. It was it was Abby. Was it? My biggest inspiration. I have so many, so this is so unfair. No, just pick one then. Oh. Flip a coin. Uh, flip a coin. All right. If I had to flip a coin, I would say James Hoffman, Doctor ja- Doctor James. Shit. Sorry, dude. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Doctor James Hoffman. He he works at Renaissance Periodization, and he was a associate professor at a couple of unis. Uh, what did I learn from James? James taught me how to diet effectively. James taught me how to embrace the suck. Lo- I love that. He I t- love he, that. I think he told me to embrace the suck, actually. The suck. And uh, what James really taught me the most was to absolutely kick my own ass in the gym, but to recover like it was my job. Recover, recover, recover. And that translated into me then coaching others to do that. Apart from everything else he does, he's a super critical thinker. He's a brilliant writer. We like the same animes. He's a rugby player. So there's Jeez. there's there's some other similarities. Yeah, that you guys might as well get fucking married. He just got married, but you know, <sighs> damn it. Anyway, I also have a wife. <laughs> but yeah, no, James. Yeah, James taught me a lot of that kind of stuff. Right. What about your? Who's your biggest inspiration? Sorry if I keep looking at the camera ever. I'm doing it for a reason. So the fucking record button stays on. I'm trying, <laughs> to, I'm trying to fear it out. I'm like you, you dirty. Uh, who's your biggest inspiration in life? Oh, come on, yeah. man. Well, obviously you're into a lot of cool people, a lot of very, very intelligent and diverse people. Who, not necessarily the favorite, but who's had the most profound effect on you in recent years? Yeah, so I'm going to go with two because I can't split it. Right. One of them truly, and I'm not just saying this for brownie points, is my wife. She is... Molly, hope you're watching. Yeah, she's a fucking genius. Lane wants something. <laughs> she is a fucking genius. She's so, so smart. But what she has been through in her life and what she continues to do and strive for is so admirable. She's, like I said, a genius. And she's doing teaching, which is often looked upon, looked down upon. Like, oh, teachers aren't that successful. You're just a teacher. And she, we went to an academically selective high school. She was, she is always the brightest. And people say to her, oh, why are you just like, why are you doing teaching? But to watch her fight for, improving an education system that she wholeheartedly exists within but believes may be broken is an inspiration every single fucking day and and someone to have that kind of courage and passion that i live so close to it is awesome uh the second one we're still wrong good stuff yeah. 
the second one is uh, a rather controversial figure, but whatever. Dr. Jordan Peterson. Um, he's copped a lot of hate, and I don't agree with everything Dr. Peterson does and says. Let's just throw that out there to start with. But Dr. Peterson kind of got me on the path of embracing the struggle of life as well outside of training and academically pursuing something that you want like it's, you know, make it the be all and end all. You get to live once. And I get a little bit of flack from my circle of friends about being so invested in formal education and chasing your PhDs and doctorates and that kind of stuff. But because I believe in it and I want it, then I'm going to push towards that and, and trying to live a life that I can be proud of. So Dr. Peterson kind of put me down that path. I don't agree with everything he says, but yeah, he he really had a profound impact on me. So you running Milestone, which is in is in eighty countries, more than eighty countries at the moment in terms of uh, in terms of coaching people. What's a couple of the biggest lessons that you've learned from building your own brand, especially in today's, I guess, um social media driven world yeah that's a great question extremely challenging and it's it's extremely uh competitive as well yeah it it is um putting out content you want to put out that's a big one um oftentimes we would put out what we thought would look cool or what we thought would get views or what we thought would get likes and i regret that i'm glad that we've grown past that but that's something that you learn the hard way definitely um because people will then develop an opinion of you based on what you're putting out there. And if it's not your true self, you're, you're kind of pulling in people who are attracted to that self. Um, get an accountant. <laughs> That's a huge lesson. Yeah. And I guess that goes a little bit deeper. If someone is better than you at something, don't try and do their job. Pay them to do their job. Pay them well, and they will return that investment tenfold. Um, and the last one is to... Be a relationship person. Everyone's got a story to tell. Everyone can teach you something. Be open to that. You don't know the effect you're having on people. We've had some really amazing stories come out just by us being a little more personable with people. Um, And people will get you opportunities. People will push you in the right direction if you have a good relationship with them. You know, it's probably my biggest takeaways from that. As humans, we, we do often forget. Oh, I caught it as well. Then it knocked off. All right. I want to hit it back on. Yes, I was waiting for you. Fucking ha! Caught you. Have some of that. I think we, we do often forget that we are, as human beings, we are people driven. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we... We need a tribe, man. Yes, yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like we, we need to have this tribe and this family and almost like this culture around us because that's our roots, you know, from an anthropological standpoint is mm-hmm. that's what we do. That's what mm. we came from. We are these people, these things, these beings of matter. And, and this is what, this is how we communicate. This is how we associate. This is how we live our lives. Mm. You know, we're animals still at the end of the day. Absolutely. But we, we do forget that. And we try and put it into materialistic things or into things that look pretty at the time. But it was like, it always comes down to things like friends, family, inner circle, you know, wherever it sort of might be. Absolutely. The community that you can be a part of and being a part of said community is what will what will increase your happiness so much mm. you know um there's a lot of great research on religion that that shows you know that the 
it's the community that makes people happier and live longer and healthier, you know, and it's, it's not necessarily the God thing, you know, it, it's being involved in that community on a, on a daily basis. Absolutely. Is there a particular quote, value or code that you, that you live by that every day you're like, this is who I try to be? There's one I, I try, I very much try. It's not so much a quote, but it's more of an absurdist philosophy in that uh, Albert Camus wrote about the myth of Sisyphus and that he, Sisyphus pushes a giant stone up a hill and it rolls down the other side and he's cast to do that for all eternity. And that's a lot like life. And I know that sounds very depressing, but when you approach it with an absurdist viewpoint, it's that's going to happen anyway. Let's enjoy everything around it. Nobody gives a shit. So let's have fun with what we're doing and, and chase your passions. Because at the end of the day, everyone's the star of their own movie. So you, you just need to act accordingly, really. Mm. So yeah, that's that's the way I try and live my life. I like it. Um, is there any specific... We've got two, two separate things here. Any recommended books or readings oh, that you read l- lately yes, you're like definitely you can go for a couple if you want like you don't uh, the happiness hypothesis by jonathan Haidt is, is an amazing book uh enlightenment now by stephen pinker is another amazing book uh and one more thinking fast and slow by daniel kahneman that's another one. Oh, and a fourth one conscious by annika harris anything else yeah so many but what i gotta get four. all right four what about watchings? Like anything that you've watched, and this doesn't necessarily have to be from a education knowledge standpoint. It could be just just some random shit, trash TV, or it can be an educational thing. It can be anime. It could be whatever that you watch something. And you're like, you know what? Attack on Titan. If you haven't seen it, it's the, oh. greatest, it's the greatest anime ever made. Uh, it's also <laughs> fucking weird when you yeah, first when you first watch it. When I first when I first watched the like I think I've seen season one and maybe season two. I think I've seen first two two seasons. When I first saw the the, the bad the giant the Titans yeah uh, the Titans I was like what the actual fuck yeah they look like um you know the like the anatomy chart mm. the the pink guy with the skin peeled off that's what they look like yeah and the way they act and behave and, and eat, I'm like and they eat the people yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's weird as shit but from a um, from I guess an acting perspective uh, I want to do anime by the way we want to do anime I know that we have an anime as well. Um, story is king as as we all know with storytelling the storyline's brilliant yeah it's a great story absolutely fucking some brilliant. amazing character arcs yeah 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 absolutely so attack on titan um i don't know i've been watching a bit of comedy lately i love dave Chappelle's new special yeah i just love that he pushes that boundary so hard um yeah i think that's i haven't done much watching lately okay i've got to get back into my netflix yeah fuck you, dude. the rugby world cup Ooh, who, are you, <laughs> who are you tipping to win uh, New Zealand is the smart money. I think Ireland might take it though. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Got a bet on that? Mm. Should probably put an outsider on. Yeah. Well, they're the number one ranked team in the world at the moment. Ireland are. Yeah. Yeah. But come on, Irish. I'm like a, I'm like a quarter Irish, quarter or a fifth something. Fucking like that. claim it. Who cares? Yeah. No, I am. I'm having it in there. Um, what are you? Uh, what's next for you? So obviously, with uh, with milestone and stuff like that, you're doing education. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's what's next so on the milestone front um more seminars um transitioning to an app uh for our programming just to make the content much more deliverable for Mm -hmm. people uh on a personal level i'm going on holidays next week (laughs) where are you you going (laughs) for douglas for my 30th because i'm getting old 
Uh, but on a personal level, the next five or six years of my life will be dedicated to my doctorate in clinical psychology. Is that all it takes, five, six years? Yeah, just the casual five or six years. Mm. Um, and so I, I'm still a little torn whether to do a research-based PhD. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've spoken about it, but I have a, a, a severe... Not severe. I have a interest in uh, Problem. the effect of psilocybin yeah. on treatment-resistant depression. So mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a pet project of mine. I'm unlikely to get that through ethics in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to pursue my doctorate more than likely. Uh, and then hopefully next year, year after, we can start a family. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Until then, just practice. Heaps of practice. <laughs> Sometimes on my own. <laughs> yeah. Well, if no one's around, it's like a Titans on. Why not? You just go for it. <laughs> and um, where can where can people find you? Where's the best place to look? Check out what you're doing, what uh, you're up to, where you're taking your yeah, life. Instagram. At Milestone Strength, I have a personal page, which is at Blaine underscore Fletcher. You probably don't want to follow that. It's just weird photos of me with different beers and weird sunglasses on. <laughs> at Milestone Strength is where you can see everything that's going on. We got podcasts and YouTubes and <laughs> YouTubes. All the, all the, <laughs> we're on all the tubes. We're on all, we're on all the socials. Wicked. Uh, and I will, uh, I will link all those below. Any, uh, any final thoughts, any sort of sign-offs that you want to give the audience, the people? No, I think I've ranted enough. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having me yeah, thank you for being on thank you and that is it for today's episode guys thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to me and my dribble hopefully you got some value out of this and if you did I would love if you just shared the podcast I want to try and get as many ears listening as I can trying to provide a unique take on life and trying to inspire as many people as I possibly can to learn, educate them, inspire them to follow a dream, a passion, whatever it sort of might be. I just want to try and create really cool human connections. So if you do have any cool ideas for guests and you might be a cool guest yourself, just drop me a DM on Instagram on I am Abby Khan and I would love to converse and chat with as many of you as I possibly can. So thank you again and have a great day.